I'm Paul Griffith, and in this Business of Adventure podcast, we're going to do our best to get Mark Beaumont, the endurance athlete and world record-breaking round-the-world cyclist, to stop moving long enough to share with us and with you what he's learned about making a living in the world of adventure. Well, Mark, uh, hello, and thank you very much for nudging us to do our first podcast. Uh, we do bang on about how important it is to cater for the different ways people like to take in information. So it is a bit embarrassing for us that we had to be prompted to add uh, audio to the written posts we already do. Well, I'm a big fan of podcasting, and I think a lot of people crave long-form conversation, um, especially if they're time poor and maybe don't have time to delve into maybe your news feeds and, and articles. I think it's a good way to to listen while you're on a dog walk or on your bicycle or whatever that might be. Absolutely. Yeah, good point. Before we get going, I think it's worth setting the scene and explaining why we're very happy to be talking to you. And for those who've been paying attention, you'll know that the Business of Adventure series is not about the thrill of the activities that people undertake. There are lots of places you can go for exciting stories and pictures of people doing their thing. And I think, Mark, you've obviously written a fair few books and been involved in a number of TV documentaries and the like. So if anyone wants to be inspired by your adventures, that's where they can go. What this series is about is sharing the many and varied ways people in the outdoor sector make a living. And it's a place to find out about the different sorts of people involved and the lessons they've learned about making money and the businessy side of things. So from our point of view, who better to talk to than you, Mark, because you're a world record-breaking ultra-distance cyclist, an ocean rower, and a former ski instructor, who now also has a business advisory string to your bow, advising corporate businesses and their teams. I think to kick off, Mark, um, can we ask what got you into a life of adventure in the first place? A lot of people get into adventure and adventure sports because they do something whether that's in high school or early adult life, which gives them that appreciation and time in the outdoors. And they think, I need more of that. And I'm going to somehow make it, you know, uh, my business, my work. Mm -hmm. I was homeschooled and I grew up on a small farm in the foothills of the Highlands in Scotland. And my entire life was outdoors. Every morning before breakfast, I had 60 goats to help milk. I had (laughs) 200 uh, free range hens to collect the eggs from. I had 13 horses to put out and muck out. I had a farm to run with my two sisters and my, my parents. So primary school until the age of 12 was the opposite way around. It was an hour or two around the kitchen table and the rest of my life was outdoors. So as much as I'm a fan of any club and society you might want to go to, I didn't need to go to scouts to learn about the outdoors. My life was the outdoors and my appreciation wasn't something that I sort of went to learn. It was just it was just the context to the first 12 years of my life. So it was actually a fairly normal thing for me to turn around to my parents and say, can I start doing expeditions, albeit at a rel- relatively small scale. And I think it's important to say when I started as a 12-year-old kid pedaling across Scotland and then soloing a thousand miles when I was 15, you know, I had no idea that it would be you know, the first chapter of my professional career, I would build teams and I would build a business out of that. I mean, clearly that's hard to imagine when you're a kid, but the, the skill set and the, the, the appreciation of time in the outdoors was, was kind of there from, from day dot for me. Blimey. So I think you were probably luckier than most of us, but uh, I can see how that evolved. So you're getting, obviously starting off with a lot of adventure 
Um, at what point did you realize that you know, an adventurer's life was more than a hobby and would become your life? I mean, I was into my 20s before it became my job, if that makes mm. sense. And I know, I know there's a lot of interest in the conversations that we've had about how do you how do you make it sustainable? How do you create an audience? How do you turn what is often your passion into your job? It's an interesting point that you made about, well, you're luckier than most. I think, I mean, there's a lot of things that being homeschooled and growing up in the middle of nowhere doesn't give you. Uh, so, I mean, I found being dropped into high school at the age of 12 and, you know, learning the things the kids normally learn in those formative years, but very difficult as a teenager. Um, mm. And it's ironic now that I'm a professional broadcaster I spend a lot of my life working with investors and entrepreneurs and I speak to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people very regularly at conferences and keynotes. So it's, it's ironic that I've ended up having such a public profile and such a, an apprenticeship in broadcasting and communication because I might as well have spent the first 12 years of my life living in a cave. Um, so so I, think, I think there was a lot that I didn't learn in the first 12 years. An appreciation for outdoors and a love for adventure, yes. But a lot of the other stuff which has been useful to my career in terms of being a professional broadcaster, you know, was something that came a lot later. So that wasn't your question, but I just thought, I guess the reason I wanted to pick up on it is people often come to me and say, oh, Mark, you know, I love what you do, but I could never do that because I'm not that sort of person. And I am always the first to point out that I don't think there's a type. I don't want ever people to look at others and go, well, look at the outcomes, look at what you've created in your life. And that's great. But you were some God-given talent or you were given some incredible opportunity. That might be the case. But if I think of the people who are really in the driving seat in the adventure world, people who have really built growth businesses out of what they do, it's not normally because they're just technically good at the nuts and bolts of the sport of it. It's because they've built wider skill sets and that's normally around really being able to communicate what they do to other people, build an audience for what they do. And there's, of course, there's many ways to do that. So long answer to your short question, but I was into my 20s. I was graduated with an economics and politics degree before I decided to turn this into my job. And as a 22, 23-year-old, I cycled around the world the first time and, and made a, a documentary for, for BBC One. Um, I think you've answered that quite well. I, I like the fact that you're saying there isn't a type. I think that's one of the things that we're learning as we talk to more and more people. So that's a sort of reassurance, if you like. And that it's sort of not necessarily a learn all the business skills first and then do it. It's just doing the adventurous and the other side of stuff comes along. Interesting you say at one stage there that you decided to turn it into a job, I think. So it was, it was that way around rather than realising you were now earning your living. Yes, and well, yeah, absolutely. And I think the important distinction is if you're going to build uh, a life which involves adventure sports, you're likely to have quite an entrepreneurial journey. Now, I mean, clearly mm. if you become a, you know, a guide or uh, you work in the tourism sector, you might work for a company that's already established. But if you're somebody who's taking your passion for outdoors and adventure sports into a sort of a startup environment yourself, you're building a business around who you are, then you need to do that at a time in your life or create the right environment where you can do it at risk. And I think that's a big point for a lot of people because twice in my life, I've sort of restarted my career. I've done something where you've got to sort of build the business, build the brand at risk where you're not massively reliant on what income you're taking from it. And in my observation of doing it a couple of times, it takes a couple of years. Yeah. 
it takes a couple of years where you you need to be able to invest in the startup in what you're doing before it's got legs, it's got profile, it's got credibility, and it's sustainable. So a lot of people like the comfort of you know just a job, the monthly pay, and what that is. But ultimately, the entrepreneurial risk needs to be about backing yourself and creating that opportunity. I did it as a 22 year old, and you know my first contract with the BBC was very much about the content I would create and me trying to look after their cameras, but there was no money transferred. Hmm. I wasn't paid a penny. And, you know, I went out there on a hope uh, that I could deliver on that promise. But ultimately, for for them, they did ridiculously well out of it. You know, they got a four-part series that went out on network that they repeated over the years that became something that they still talk about today. And I did it at risk. I did it for the platform that that gave me, the credibility it gave me. And it was, you know, if I think from graduating to, to really making a business out of it, it was two years. And I did the same in my mid-30s when I decided to transition from full-time expeditions into running an early-stage investment firm. It was two, two and a half years of building the business, building the team, investing back into it, doing it at risk before people would buy into me. And I think people still look for that level of credibility have you got skin in the game? Are you willing to back yourself before asking other people to back you? And are you willing to sort of share the dream? Are, have you got a way to, to, to make other people, you know, realize what you're doing? It's very, very easy these days to go out and get a logo designed and start an Instagram page and create some content. But actually the credibility behind that to really be good at what you are trying to do and earn that trust, I think that's at the heart of building a growth business. Thank you, Mark. I, I like that summary of the at-risk bit. And uh, it's also, I think, reassuring for people. I'm thinking some of the people we talk to who are spending those couple of years building that reputation and credibility and not you know, going straight for the uh, throat of the word. So that's, again, reassurance. Uh, thank you. I'm interested in another thing, though, because... Um, I know that you have been involved in different sides of the adventure world. In, th- in a sense, you were, if I understand right, a ski instructor when you were younger. And that would have been one way of carrying on and earning money from being outdoors, which maybe would have led all sorts of places. But you've ended up being, you know, like a, an adventure practitioner, if you like. Um, was that a conscious decision? How did you navigate that? It was a very conscious decision. So I think it's really, really important to look around you, meet other people who are doing similar things to you aspire to and really, you know, have a beer with them, have a coffee with them, spend time with them and understand the life that they lead. Because I think there's a big, big risk in, I was going to say the adventure world, but any walk of life that you like the idea of what people do as opposed to the life they actually lead. I mean, I was in a class of 300 studying economics and everyone says, oh, everyone's going to leave and become an accountant and do their graduate placements and work with one of the big firms and move to and there's just such a sort of a a blind assumption that just because you've got a certain education this is what you'll do and I as a 21 year old I went and did a a summer working in Boston uh, on an internship and it was such a an eye-opener for me where I got to see people in their 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s I got to spend quality time with them I actually saw what they did not what their technical skill sets were what responsibilities they had, what made them smile, 
you know, what opportunities they had to actually drive their own career as opposed to just be, you know, important sort of technicians within a, a corporate. So it gave me such a massive appreciation and not just of, because when you're at school and university and you go on training courses, it's about what you know. It's about technical competence. And then people go into the workplace and they define the, all their opportunities by what's in their CV. This is what I can do and therefore this is the job it qualifies me for. It doesn't at all focus on what does that actually mean for the life that you lead? What sense of fulfillment does that give you? To be blunt, what earning level does that give you? What creative license does it give you to actually you know, create your own business and opportunities if that is your wish? And I think my point is whether you're going to work for the world's largest corporate so you're going to start up a business yourself, they're both fine and there's a place for both. But there has to be personal choice within it. And I think a lot of people who are are, are very well educated, and I, I say that in, in the adventure sports world as well, don't actually think about what they're going to be doing for decades to apply that. So I mean, I, I, when I was a ski instructor, I absolutely loved it. But I had the foresight to realize that I didn't want to do that in my 40s. It's a, it was an amazing gig when I was, when I was young and single. Um, but following the seasons and the lifestyle that that entailed was not something I wanted to do all my life. And that's not that's not a judgment call on people that do do it, but it's not what I wanted to do myself. And I think it's it's having that objectivity to be able to step back and go, you know, what's the life I want to lead as opposed to what skills have I got? And, I, and, I, and leaving university, I was very, very clear. I, if I was going to cycle around the world and start to make a career doing big expeditions, I didn't want to live life like a student. There's nothing wrong with living life like a student for when you're a student, but I, I didn't want to live sort of hand to mouth. Uh, I wanted to have a growth business where I built teams around me. Uh, I, I've been criticized by a few over my career for being this professional and having corporate sponsors and doing it on network television. And I always say, I've taken my career as seriously as, I don't know, Andy Murray and Lewis Hamilton. I mean, you know, I've done it to the nth degree and I make no apologies for that. I, I think there's sort of a often a almost a cool that comes with this idea in the adventure world that you can just rock up and do it. But training to the level I have, working with corporate sponsors, having the big deals that allows me to build big performance teams, it, as I say, is something that I make no apologies for because I realised from day one that if I'm going to not just be a part of this industry but also have the ability to really be pioneering within the industry. I want to, I'm very proud of the last 20 years. I can look back at my career, not just say I was there, like I was an endurance athlete and, you know, I, I enjoyed my career as an athlete, but this is what I did with my teams. I really, I really pushed the dial. We created these massive leaps in performance and we've completely redefined what people believe is possible in endurance cycling. And, and I'm incredibly proud of that. But But you've got to have intent. You've got to have the clear understanding that this is not just about being technically good as a bike rider you've got to build the complementary skill sets of doing business deals with sponsors doing doing commercial deals with broadcasters building high performance teams that is that is a completely different skill set than just riding your bike yeah absolutely and i like there's an awful lot in what you just said there i think one of the things i would I quite like when you were saying it early on is the sort of the bit that you don't get at school and any careers advice of just go and talk to people uh, I think there is a lot of people with preconceptions about what different lives will be. Uh, so that sounded very good advice. I can see how you made the choice to be doing what you're doing. And it sort of also leads into the next question, because you have this unusual strand for many in the adventure world that you have the advisory side of your business and the sort of portfolio investing. 
How did that side come about? I was I was working for for many years in my twenties and thirties with one of the leading uh, mid market private equity firms in the UK, and they. I mean, it's interesting to think back. I had I worked with them for seventeen years, so I've always been a big fan of long term partnerships as opposed to moments in time. And what you're creating when you build partnerships like that in the adventure world is you ultimately become a metaphor for for those partners. So they wanted to be seen as having global ambition having high performance teams, having good equality and, um, you know, certain things that we championed in the teams that I led. So it worked for them. I was a, I was a really good story for their business. But more than that, I got this amazing apprenticeship in, um, in business building. And, um, and what's, what was also very interesting uh, during those years is I got, also got this amazing apprenticeship and insight into into business building. And because I was leading this life as an athlete and a broadcaster, but ultimately had this partnership where year on year, they would bring me into interesting businesses. I would help with their origination team to go and meet founders, meet companies, create opportunities to invest. I learned so much throughout my 20s and 30s. But then I was also traveling hugely. I I traveled to 130 countries over those, those, those two decades. And I saw firsthand things that most people read in books. So I saw firsthand uh, what we're all experiencing now, I guess, around, you know, the world's oceans and how they're warming and changing levels, um, deforestation, um, urbanization issues, uh, you know, climate change, food and water security, stuff which I was seeing, filming, and it was impacting me. It was influencing me in a very in a very profound way. And... Um, you know, I came back and when I had the ability by my mid-30s to start personally investing into these spaces, I was trying to find a network to do that. I thought, well, let's try and find people who are better at that than me, who have a deep credibility and an understanding of these areas. So I can start to back entrepreneurs and founders who can, you know, create a positive change. That was the motivation. And then mm-hmm. conversations uh, led on and I ended up, um, finding a team who I really admired. I really ad- admired their expertise and process, but I thought that there was a way of doing it more consistently and and, a, and at a larger scale. And so I ended up sort of flitting from being an angel investor to actually helping build the business. And I've done that over the last five years. And I'm, I'm very proud. And to your point, I do both. I ride my bike pretty seriously. I still made film, make films, but I'm also a partner in an early stage VC and we're entirely focused on on impact. We're focused on quality of life. We're fo- focused on you know agriculture and aquaculture. We're focused on the big issues of the day. And not to be too profound about it, but you know, in, in twenty more years' time, if I look back at my career, I want to have had a life of adventure where I've also you know created a, a community or helped back a community of entrepreneurs who have addressed the big key issues of the day and i think you can do both what you said also mark makes a makes a lot of sense on the face of it you wouldn't necessarily expect someone in a life adventure to end up in the the corporate world and the investment world um but the way you explain it actually makes makes perfect sense and there's a whole side issue there about the need to get more people out and about adventuring and seeing what's happening in the world. But that's that's a different topic, not for this podcast. Maybe when we come back to those skills that 
um, you saw while working with companies in your 20s and 30s and that we don't necessarily see in the adventure community now? And what would you say are the key commercial or non-adventure skills that anyone wanting to make a living in the world needs to go about acquiring? We could broaden this out to anyone in in almost any walk of life. The fact that you learn a technical skill set, you graduate from school or university in, in whatever you study, and that becomes your sort of core identity, or at least for a lot of people throughout their career. And clearly that's important. It's good to have a trade. It's good to have a, you know, a, a vocation. But I think it's really, really important as people build businesses and build opportunities to be aware of their own familiarity bias, their own their own lens on the world. The fact that if you're an accountant, you see the whole world, you know, through through that lens. If you're an athlete, you'll see it through that lens. My, my, my point is, I could give you a big complex problem and you still see it from the perspective of the skill set that you've got. Nothing wrong with that. But I think ultimately in leadership, it's about not being aware enough to be able to sort of zoom out and understand if you're really going to build businesses uh, of scale and impact, you need to get more than just be technically good at what you're doing. So if I can think, I'm not being unkind, but lots of people who have cycled around the world and done exactly the same as what I've done, I've, I've broken around the world cycling record twice in my career. A lot of a lot of athletes just focus on what it takes to be fit and ride their bike and maybe some logistical points of how to cross borders. But actually, if you're going to build real impact and legacy, here's the important word, legacy. If you're going to give yourself opportunities as a business off the back of doing what you do, then you need to do more than just be good at your job in the nuts and the bolts sense. So creating that those legacy opportunities is about sitting down and going, who else needs to care and why should they care? And spending the time to engage in those relationships that are going to make a difference. So, I mean, I think in the big expedition world that I've worked in, if you're going to get more than just a day in the paper and a moment of fame, and you're actually going to create you know, these long-term partnerships that I've spoken about, the big broadcasting deals, the opportunities to, I don't know, build a speaking career or become an advisor. I mean, you picked out the point that I've now been asked to go in and work with a lot of companies. This doesn't happen if you work in your silo. If you work in your silo and you just speak to cyclists and you, you know, create the odd article for Cycling Weekly, that's not going to happen. If your wish is to create a business with more impact than that, to be able to employ people sustainably, to be able to have you know income levels where you can create impact beyond the simple project you're taking on, then you clearly have to have a different approach. And what I'm always sort of encouraging um, people in the adventure world to think about is what what do you want to do? If what you want to do is to you know just take on opportunities yourself, have a, a dream career of travel. That can be incredibly sort of simple and basic and, and, and done on a shoestring. Nothing wrong with that. There's no judgment call on that. But if you want to create a business, whether that's in guiding, coaching, broadcasting, you know, record breaking, I don't care what it is, then there's a real opportunity to stop and go, how do I break out of my silo? How do I engage with audiences, whether that is clients that you want to take along, whether that's uh, an audience that you wish to speak to outside of the world that you relate to. So if you think of big iconic events like Ellen MacArthur sailing around the world or Alex Honnold doing free solo or you know mm-hmm. anything like that, the, these are people who have managed to speak to an audience beyond their own sport. And I think that's when it gets really interesting. And if that is your wish, 
you need to sort of really stop and think, how do I do that? And then when you're actually creating the projects, again, be acutely aware of your own familiarity bias and go, how do, how do I get good at the other stuff? Do you know how many people have come to me over the years and they're almost annoyed, they're irritated, they're like, why, why have I not got the book deals? Why have I not got the television deals? Why, why do I not get the big speaking gigs that you get? You know, and people have often said to me, you know, is this discrimination? Like, why am I not be given the opportunities? And, you know, I want to have the... And I, and I, and I always say to people, what you're asking for, what you're looking for as a business is a completely different thing than the adventure sport. And it's not everyone's want. It's not, not everyone goes out there looking to create these opportunities. But you have to have that conscious decision that you don't automatically, just by being a great guide or, you know, a great broadcaster or a great athlete, it doesn't in and of itself just unlock the next level. It just doesn't give you those things. You need to go and find them. You need to step create out. those opportunities. Yeah, you need to step out. And I think, you know, if you spend your life, you know, sitting on social media, speaking to people who you already know, it's going to be very unlikely. I think the speaking world is an interesting one. A lot of people in the adventure world want to break into, you know, advisory and corporate speaking and that sort of thing. It can be incredibly fulfilling and it can be incredibly lucrative. But it's very, very hard for somebody who's a top flight anything in the adventure sport world to actually reach out and be noticed by people who, you know, who don't have any contact point with what you do. You need to create that interface. You need to you need to get beyond your own Instagram feed to be able to make sense to people. And a lot of the people who have backed me throughout my career have been from the city. So it's been, you know, banks and wealth management companies, private equity firms, insurance companies, things which have got nothing to do with sport and cycling and adventure. But rather than sitting down and going, I'm off to ride my bike, do you want to back me? I've taken the time to think, why would they care? What's a narrative that makes sense to them? Not just now as a moment in time, but why would they choose to work with me, you know, over the years? And you build these partnerships and the longer you have them, the more meaningful they become. And, you know, you're bringing real value to them beyond a name on a shirt if you decide to do the sponsorship track. And and I think that's when it gets interesting. Oh, there's some some beautiful stuff in there. And it's amazing. Um, We're relatively fresh to the adventure world in terms of talking to people about how they earn a living, but have spent many, many years working with professionals in other sectors. And what you're describing there is very common where you are, people seem to be judging themselves and thinking that everyone is judging them on their professional skills. You know, so in your case, am I a good enough adventurer or am I a good enough lawyer or a good enough software engineer? And the difference is taking that step away from that um, and thinking, what are the other skills? What are the other ways of looking at the world I need to do to actually be in business? And the one thing I want to pick up on was you're talking about all the different people you work with. Uh, be interested to know who you have around you to support you running the business side of life. Uh, I think it's really, really important to have a small number of people who you can turn to throughout your career who are not your family and who are not um, your business partners. Um, I think the reality is if you're stepping out and doing anything in the adventure world, which, you know, has that leadership or entrepreneurship about it, then you're going to have some tough crossroads. Do I do this? Do I do that? And I think when you have those conversations with people, um, just I often say it's thinking out loud. It's so important that the people you, you speak to are not financially or 
emotionally connected to the outcome of what you're doing. So if you ask, if I was to ask my wife, you know, about what I should do next, she's likely to tell me what she thinks I want to hear. She'll comfort me. She'll she'll give me the right answer, which she thinks is appropriate. And I'm not being unkind to, to, to Nikki, but she's never lived in the adventure world. She's not an athlete. She's not a broadcaster. So it's almost unfair for me to expect her, other than loving me and supporting me and being my wife, to be appropriate to those really difficult you know, business decisions. And so I think looking for support from the right people is, is really important. For sure, chat things through at home. For sure, chat things through with your colleagues. But sometimes you need to have people, I, I call them my sort of unofficial non-execs, people in your life who you trust, admire, but whether you decide to go left or right doesn't affect them. Mm-hmm. They're simply there to, you know, to, to have that conversation with and give you that, you know, that that confidence and that leadership when you've got tough decisions to make. I can think of lots of times where these these people in my life have, you know, I, I'm lucky enough that they've taken interest in, in my career. You know, I, I, I respect them and, and I enjoy spending time with them. And I think it's very, very dangerous to try and do too much yourself. I think it's so important when you look at somebody's career from the outside, you see the results, that that's not actually the life that they lead. And it goes back to a previous point. So you might look at the last 20 years of what I've done and go, wow, my goodness, that looks professional and slightly inevitable and sure-footed. It's not. Nobody leads their life in that way. That's how things look in retrospect. You know, there's been so many setbacks and uncertainties and insecurities, and you need good people around you that understand that entrepreneurial risk and, you know, have your you know, your best interests at heart with the advice that they give. So I think I think clearly hire the best people you can afford. Surround yourself by people who have got similar values to you. I think values are absolutely the heart of any good business. But ultimately you need to if you're in a leadership role, you need to have people you can turn to who are not who are not actually within the team or within the family. Yeah, I like your phrase, the unofficial uh, non exec director, I think you call them. Um, that's a good one for people to think about. And that whole point that they're not financially and emotionally tied to the outcome, so they can be more honest and have your best interests at heart. That's, that's, that's good. We're going to take a break there from our discussion with Mark, but look out for part two of the podcast when we come back and hear his business advice for adventurers, guides and coaches and discover the thing he's found most surprising about working in the world of adventure. Thanks again for listening today. And please don't forget to subscribe to the Business of Adventure podcast wherever you normally get yours. You can also read about the lessons in earning a living learnt by a wide range of people in this sector by searching the Business of Adventure on Substack. Goodbye. Goodbye.